are listening to the Classic Sermons Podcast from PreachTheBible.org, a ministry of North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California. You will hear fervent, old-fashioned revival sermons from great preachers of the past. It is our desire that you will be helped by this gospel message. Scripture found in Mark chapter 10. One of the most astounding things in the Bible, hard to believe, but not with the eye or ear of faith. And so I'd like to challenge you. You know, some people think that Christianity is uh, uh, sort of a soul insurance policy. And uh, you just have to uh, stumble along till you get there, and then you get paid after a while. I believe the main payment is after a while. Because eternity is a long time to be paid. You think of just getting bored in Rome for eternity. Free. And health. And a brand new body that never gets sick. No hard times, no storms. No hospitals. No crippled children. Nobody ever dies. No undertakers. No cemeteries on the hillsides of glory. I mean, that'd be worth a lot right there. That's a tremendous payment. See? And the average person works a lifetime down here, and all he works for is board and room, mainly. And the Bible said, having food and raiment, let us therewith be content. Of course, man's not. Paul said, I've learned. I've just learned. In what service state I am, therewith be content. Simon Peter did too. Angel went to the jailhouse to get him out. I had to wake him up or get him out. And he didn't even have any tranquilizers. Well, now maybe I should correct that. He had one. Amen? And that's the main one we need today, too. I've never seen God's people run so many races to the drugstores they are now. I've never seen church people depend on the things of man so much in my life. That's the reason they're so disappointed. That's the reason they're so miserable and unhappy. If you look to man, when man goes down, you go down with him. I had a young preacher boy to come see us the other day, and his heart was heavy. And in tears, he said, and he's a fine boy, uh, going away to the mission field with his wife and little children, just finished school. And he said, you know, every man that I've really put my confidence in has failed me. I mean, the preachers who seem to go under, the ones that laid their hands on his head, those hands have gone into the world and are now uh, serving the devil. And I said, son, it just teaches you what Paul tried to teach you. Have no confidence in the flesh. Amen. Paul said, I know that in me that is in my flesh that dwells no good thing. Yet he could say again, uh, the grace that was bestowed upon me was not in vain. Because he said, by the grace of God, I am what I am. And I labored more abundantly than they all yet, and not I, but the grace. Well, that's what puts a man to work, is grace. Now, grass will put you to, maybe it'll run like a cottontail rabbit for a little piece, but you'll quit. And when I mean grass, I, I mean uh, the desires of the flesh, and want to do better, and straighten up, and fly right, and all that kind of But there's got to be a genuine experience in the heart of man before he can ever serve the Lord. I spoke on the characteristics of the devil in a message, or a series of messages for our radio friends and here in the service. 
But I tell you, I'm interested in the characteristics of God. But you've got to have his character before you can have his characteristics. You've got to have the blesser before you can have the blessings. You've got to have the giver before you can have the gifts. And I believe there are people that are more interested in the gifts than they are the giver. And I believe if we rightly relate ourselves to the giver, I believe he'll rightly relate the gifts to us. Now, and he said it's more blessed to give than it is to receive. Now, the thing that kind of prompted me to preach along this line is what I heard on the radio coming from the room a while ago. A preacher said, if you do not give your tithes, you'll bust hell wide open. Then he went on to say, and I thought he's building up to that, because usually if he's wrong on one thing, he'll be wrong on another. He said, if you'll sit down and write me a check, he said, uh, you'll go straight to heaven. I mean, now those are the words that he said. Well, dear friend, let me tell you something. The check that's going to take you to heaven was signed in the blood of Jesus. Amen. And that check's already been signed and sealed and sanctified. I believe in giving, but I believe in giving because I'm living. And I've never given right until I got right. And we'll never get people to settle down until we get them to settle up with Jesus. And you'll never, you'll never, you can't be unselfish until you've died to self. Everybody's born selfish. And you get worse as you grow older. Old people are the most selfish people in the world. Why, they'd fight over every diamond dollar they've got. Little children will give everything they got away. Even before they get born again, you know that? Boy, you let them get a little older. I'll guarantee they'll start tightening up and say, that's mine. That's mine. Well, he said, let, let, let me play the little wagon. I said, it's mine too. Boy, devil in his eyes too. It's mine. We just leave it alone. Boys, they get older, boy, that's the way they are. You take, have a little wagon, a tricycle, kitty car, something else. When they get older, boy, they that ranch, that's mine. Them cows, them's my cows. That oil well, that's my oil well right there. It's mine. Now, that's the way, they, boy, don't you try to take them, they'll kill you. Only thing a little boy do is scratch you, but push you down. Man, a rancher come along and shoot you. Why, that's mine. Selfishness gets worse until we get rid of self. And no man can be selfish if he's gotten rid of himself. I sing the song, let me lose myself and find it, Lord, in thee. And, and the Bible teaches, he said, if you want to live, die. If you want to get up, get down. If you want to find your life, lose it. And the world comes out in a big scream and says, that don't make sense. I know it doesn't. But it makes good truth. Amen. Would you let me give you one illustration before beginning the message? Two boys came up together. They slept together. They played together. They lived in the same community. It so happened that both of them had the first name of David. The two Davids lived. One David went one way and one went another. One David died on his knees. 
on a mission field called Africa. His name happened to be Living Stone or Living Stone. And he really became a living stone because he met the living stone. His native warriors and friends came to his tent on a number of occasions on the day that he graduated and went through his commencement exercises. They thought he was praying unduly long. But finally they crept up to his side and touched his cold body and knew that the old soldier had died in battle. And uh, they cut his heart out and buried it in the land he loved so well among the black people that he gave his life for. Shipped his body back and down the road the casket was going and the other David stumbled out of an alley ragged and rotten and rim cut and ruined with a wasted life and at the end of the runway with nothing but despair and defeat and somebody said they heard him say there goes David my boyhood friend he took one road and I took another here I stand and there he goes with people revering and remembering and weeping over a life well spent and dear friends everybody that hears my voice is on one of those roads today David Livingston lost his life to find it again. He got down and God lifted him up. He died to self and now he lives on the lips of millions of Christians around the world. I ask you a question, what are you living for? Oh, you're making a living, I but that's not all of it. Anybody can make a living. What are you living for? Now, in the liquor business can make a living, but he'll mess up his life doing it. I want to read to you the word. Let's trust God for a message right out of his book. In the uh, 10th chapter of the book of Mark, we'll begin reading at verse 14. But when Jesus saw it, he was much displeased. Now, he was displeased about the fact that they didn't want little children around him. He said, that, you know, so much is the attitude of the dove. He didn't have time to fool you kids. Get back. Get out of the way. But when Jesus saw it, he was much displeased. Didn't say he's displeased, he said he's much displeased. They had, they had, uh, had sort of stepped in between the little children and Jesus. And fellas and mothers and daddies, you better take heed to this scripture. Any time that you step in or let anything step in between your children and Jesus, he's going to be much displeased with you. And I mean, I have to say, I know what's stepping in between the children. It's a prayerless home. That comes in between. It's a Bible-less home. That steps in between. 
It's a recreation program and a camping program on the Lord's Day. And it's a television set and it's picture shows and it's uh, nasty, ugly things happening in a home. It comes between. Jesus is just as much, much displeased with you today. When we let things like that come between. Because I'll guarantee you one thing. Anything that we put between our children and Jesus is going to prove a curse and a detriment to those children. Got a call a while ago. Little old bitty boys in serious trouble. Folks are broken hearted about it. Something's been in between. Now, let me say this. It's not natural for a little boy to be ugly, to be mean, to lie, to steal, to cheat. But I tell you what it is, it's a lot easier to win that little boy to Christ if you get him while he's a little boy than it is to wait till he gets old and hard and maybe gets a reprobate mind. And the time we can win. Now there's nothing unusual about a child stealing or lying. I mean, they're all vital to let God be true and every man liar. But we need to get them over that as soon as possible, and there's only one way to do it, and that's to get them to Jesus. Not send them to public school. I mean, that's not the answer. It's to send them to Jesus. So he's much displeased, said, Suffer little children, or permit little children to come unto me, and forbid them not, for such is the kingdom of God. Verily I say unto you, Whosoever shall not receive the kingdom of God as a little child, he shall not enter therein. Now, does that explain to you why it's hard to get men saved? I mean, to me, that's the answer right there. It's hard to get a man that's proud and successful and respected and well thought of, one of the citizens of the community and a political leader, to have come down like a little child. And yet, exactly what you got to do, boys. You've got to come just like a little child. You've got to admit that you're just a rotten, stinking, sorry, low-down, trifling sinner. And you've got to cry to God for mercy. Send out an SOS. Save my soul. And that's hard to get a man to do that. Naaman, when he got over uh, to where the preacher was, of course, the first place he went, he went was to the wrong, he went to the, the government officials, you know. He went to organize uh, help, he thought. And they couldn't do a thing except get mad. It made him mad. And then he finally went on down to the preacher. And then the preacher made him mad. You know, it's true. It used to be, Brother Paul, you hardly ever got anybody saved before you made them mad. Oh, brother, how they'd throw their breath and their voice all over the community. Well, I can remember the time when when, well, an old boy came, and his name was Crow. And one night I literally picked him. I mean, the gospel did. You know what he did? He didn't accept his wife. She came and got saved that night. He went home as mad as any crow you've ever seen. I mean, he was a pecking hard. Why, he said, do, do you think I'll go back to hear that raving maniac? And he said, more than that, you're not going back anymore either. Well, that sounded real. I mean, he was really up in the air. He was mad. 
But did you know what? About two or three weeks later, he didn't come back, but he went to another revival. He got saved. Now, uh, he, but he got mad. And uh, some of the most glorious conversions I've ever seen have come from people that were so mad. Well, I'm thinking of an old boy that got converted and he was mad at everybody. Throw him out, kick him out, slam the door in the face, do anything to get rid of him. And just as soon as he got saved, started living all the next. Oh, brother. He was just running loose, just like an angel almost. He's telling everybody how much he loved him. I mean, just like that. Just a snap of your finger. When God saved him, he began to make his rounds. I can see him now going here, going there, going there. Apologizing to people. Why? Had a new heart. Now that's conversion. Not only salvation, that's conversion. I believe in getting saved and also converted. I believe everything, and this is, this is stewardship, I believe everything we have after we're saved ought to be converted. So it can be usable. And anything you have that's not converted, it's not worth having. If you've got a radio and you haven't got it converted, you ought to get rid of it. If you've got a television set and haven't, and, and brother, that's hard to convert because you haven't got anything to tune in on. I mean, Hollywood just owns an office. You can find a Christian radio station uh, every once in a while. God's got it fixed where you can just about tune in on a Christian radio station anywhere you go. I cover from the Gulf Coast. Uh, all the way north and east and west and so forth. And I can find a Christian radio station, but brother, I've been looking in vain for a Christian television set. I can't find one or a station. They're just not any. Of course, I don't have a television uh, deal in my home, not a set. And some of you old grandpas and grandmas look at me so strange like it's got you too. That's all you need to do, just, just gaze at it till your eyes the biggest grapefruits. And your spiritual brain like a beetle's brain. God have mercy upon us today. While a world stands on the fringe of complete destruction. And there's no way to stop it. It's going. But what we could do is to rescue some perishing before it goes. That's all. Dear friend, we're gleaning now. I mean, we're just gathering in the few that we can catch at the fringes. And wherever we can get them. The field is white. The field is white already. Under harvest, but all oh, the labors are so few. Well, let's read on. He took them up. That's good, isn't it? That's a good direction to go, isn't it? He took them up. The devil takes them down. Oh, the little old boys. A little. I got a letter today. Really, of course. I I know this is on the sordid side, but I you have to almost tell it sometimes to just jar people. And then you can't jar them. You know, you used to can shock people away. They we we got too many. People. They're shock proof now. now. You can't shock them. You could, they won't cry over nothing. They're not burdened about anything. And uh, but I, I read letters today. Just finished answering the mail a moment ago in the room because they're, they're, they're so urgent. The letters are and and so desperate. And said, Brother Olaf, this is my telephone number now. If you can call me, but I've got to get something done. We're going to court this next Wednesday or Monday, and I, I need to hear now if there's any hope at all. And and they wrote me about. And this is a long letter from a man who is at the placement, he's the, he's the placement center chairman in the penitentiary. And he's got a boy that's 18. And he said, Brother Roth, this boy has been a homo prostitute for nine years. 
and said he started off with his daddy. And his daddy said, if you tell your mama, I'll kill you. And that boy lived under that, under that constant threat until he was big enough to try to get away. Mothers and daddies and radio friends and people in this church, do you realize that we're living in the complete fulfillment of Sodom's day right now? Now some of you live such shielded lives and you're so far away uh, from the side of the track that I live in and from the land of Gadara that I journey in every day. You don't really know, but I'll guarantee you homosexuality is absolutely going like a cyclone. It's wild. And it's being endorsed by some so-called preachers and recommended and even some priests have married homosexuals. Watched them put the rings on their finger and the family sat there, attended the wedding, Brother, I wonder if I can't jar you away. We're through. We're about over. I mean, the next thing is the coming of Christ. And why you don't get most say you sit around and swell up me? Because I try to wean you away from your nasty idiot box that steals your time and wastes your life and ruins your children and breaks up your home and takes away the power of God. You get mad at me. I wonder if you've even been saved. How in the world? Could a man be a premillennial, born-again, spirit-filled Christian and be satisfied with the husks of the devil? I'll never understand till my dying day how that monster's made its way into the living room of the preachers and Christians that used to be on fire for God. I went in the preacher's home the other day and I love him. The thing that greeted me when I walked in that living room was one of those great, big, square-jawed boxes. Right there in the living room. Boy, it's hard to live in the living room with that thing. And then I went into the bedroom to rest a little after we had a lovely lunch, and there was another one right at the foot of his bed. Where he and his wife could lay there in the bed and go to sleep watching that demon. I tell you, folks, I'm not going to let up. I'm not going to let up. And I'm not going to give up, and I'm not going to back up, and I'm not going to let a bunch of worldly ghosts scare me off of my convictions that I've had for 35 years. I'm going to lay on Mac Duff, and I'll meet you to judgment seat of Christ over every message I bring along this line. We say, what's wrong with the world? Brother, it's not what's wrong with the world. It's what's wrong with the churches today. Church, the, the world's dead. The same thing's wrong with the world's been wrong with. It's dead in trespasses and sin. But I tell you what we better do. We better begin to search out ourselves and find out what's wrong with our poor churches today. He took them up in his arms, put his hands upon them, and blessed them. Oh, at the times. Last night as I knelt here with this precious couple that's Journeying to Dallas now to spend the night with precious friends that showed interest in them when Dorothy needed help desperately. She came in to Dallas and there she stayed for a little while. And oh, that couple that knelt here in this altar last night after they'd received the vows the second time. But the first time, they didn't have any Jesus. They didn't have any Bible. They didn't have any Holy Spirit. And through many tears and heartaches and dangers, uh, we've come after 
months of ministering and then going to Kansas City and, and then six or seven or eight hundred dollars of expense. But after all of that was over, to see both of them saved, kneeling in the altar last night, to say we give our lives to Christ and our home to Christ now, that home will never break with Jesus in it. The devil busted it up and Jesus put it back together. But this town, even Coleman and Brownwood, why this house ought to have been packed and jammed and running over for such a one. If you folks have prayed for that couple, and you have, because I told you about them, see? My, but people have lost their appetite for God. I came, I went to East Texas the other day where the gospel was born in Texas. Where singing was born. I mean, they used to, that's where the singers came from, East Texas, wasn't it? And yet, I find the very creeping paralysis of death in East Texas. Not a revival going on anywhere that you can find. And then I come to West Texas, same old story. Folks, I'll tell you, if you've got anything you're going to ever do for God and others, you won't have long because there won't be any others where me and you are going that will need help. They're down here, Brother Paul. There's that Coleman and that map over there says that y'all are going to touch every home in Coleman, Texas. And we're going to give them a saving witness for Christ. But I'll tell you one thing, Brother Paul, you and Miss Nita. When you get to your home, your eternal home, you won't have any neighbors that will need your spiritual help. All your neighbors will be shouting neighbors. They'll be gentle, sweet, wonderful Christians. But oh, down here, you and I, have such an opportunity. Almost everybody's a prospect for the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so let's get them. Now, Teddy took them up and blessed them. And when he was gone forth into the way, there came one. Would you let me give you the opposite picture since the preached on the devil? The devil takes them down and curses them. A lot of difference, isn't it? Every boy that I receive has the curse on him. I mean, actually, they, you can't imagine the little old twisted lives. I guess it's been good for me. There are two things that's blessed my life. One of them is having to be on the radio 45 minutes every day for 20-some-odd years. Nearly. I mean, that's disciplined me in the fact that, uh, and, and makes me love one book, and that is, and no, I'll never preach out the book. I never will run out of preaching if I stay with the book. Now, I can read a bunch of magazines and man-made books, and I'll get high and dry. And, uh, but if I stay right with the book, it's taught me that this is a well I'll never draw dry. Never. I mean, I could put the biggest pump in the world on it, it'll never pump all the water out. I mean, this is heaven's artesian well, and it's flowing at mighty force. The next thing that's been good for me, which I need, and that's the proximity with lost people and desperate souls. And I don't take any credit for it. The Lord put me in the place of men. And I like it. I like it. I, I thoroughly, I started off preaching in jails and old folks' homes and, well, any church, any place I could get to preach. And the Lord was training me a little bit and give me, and so I just praise his name for it, though it's maybe an unglamorized field and not very much glitter in it in many ways, but there's a lot of satisfaction in it. When you see two people like those kneeling in the altar, and when you see what I've seen the last few days, boys, it came from nothing to everything in Christ, and to get letters, and well, it makes it worthwhile. Just like a pastor when he labors long on a field, and he begins to see the fruit come and abide. What a joy. And you just don't pay a preacher everything and with a check. 
God pays him in joys and blessing. When he was gone forth into the way, there came one running and kneeled to him and asked him, Good master, what shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? And Jesus said unto him, Why callest thou me good? There's none good but one, that's God. Thou knowest the commandments. Do not commit adultery, do not kill, do not steal, do not bear false witness, defraud not, honor thy father and mother. And he answered and said unto him, Master, all these have I observed from my youth. He said, I've observed these. I've observed these from my youth up. Then Jesus, beholding him, loved him and said unto him, One thing thou lackest, go thy way, sell whatsoever thou hast, and give to the poor, and thou shalt have treasure in heaven, and come, take up the cross, and follow me. Now, folks, that's this verse that divides the sheep from the goats. Right there. Now, he said, I, I, I've made some observations, but, bud, you've got to do more than make some observations. He said, it's time not just to sit on the fence or the sideline and watch the soldiers march by. It's time for you now to sell out and hit the battlefront. Now then, do you think he joyfully agreed? No, sir. Do you think he's any different from the average person today? I guess he is not. No, sir. And he was sad at that saying and went away grieved. Why? At great possessions. Man could have possessions without them having him. But it don't work like that. There are not many people that have ever gained riches for what the riches gain them. I mean, you hardly ever get riches without riches getting you. And that's reason, in my heart, say what you will, I believe the Lord's given me the right um, conviction and philosophy. If I never allow myself to keep anything, then I could never be covetous and want more. And if Ms. Roloff and I, and you and I, and all of us together, if we could say, now, Lord, all I want is what I need. And I want you to supply that. I don't want my needs supplied by the world. I don't want to compromise. I don't want to hobnob with some worldly somebody or somebody in the nefarious business in order to... I know a lot of times we'd say, well, maybe we could take uh, some good things from a bad man and we could use it. But the first thing you know, the Bible said, God forbid that I should do evil that good may come. And the churches have gone way off of the deep end. Just like one of the most wicked men that ever lived has just made a tremendous gift to a big denomination. And uh, he didn't love Christ. He never did love Christ. He was a very wicked man. We must not depend on the world to support our work. I have a feeling in my soul today, and I've asked with faith, believing, and I believe it'll come, I've asked God for a million dedicated dollars from dedicated Christians. And I'll never be satisfied till it comes, because I believe I have the assurance it will come, and I believe God's given me the wisdom to invest it, and not to keep any of it, and to wisely spend it for these five homes and radio ministries, and helping convicts to become converts, and helping delinquent boys to be preachers of righteousness. I believe the Lord has shown me what to do and how to do it. And I believe God's given me a clear divorce from the world. I mean, so far as wanting or desiring or coveting 
anything. And so I've asked him for it. And I wish every Christian in Radio Land and anywhere else that'd like to be in on the blessing would pray with us about it. And Jesus looked round about and said unto his disciples, How hardly shall they that have riches enter into the kingdom of God? The disciples were astonished at his words, but Jesus answering again saith unto them, Children, how hard is it for them that trust in riches to enter into the kingdom of God? It's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of God. And they were astonished out of measure, saying among themselves, Who then can be saved? Now, Jesus looking upon them said, With men it is impossible, but not with God. For with God all things are possible. Now then we're coming to the text. Then Peter began to say to him, Lord, listen, hear me. We have left all and followed thee. Now then, what's our check going to be? Now the next verse, absolutely. I mean the next two verses, absolutely, would strain and stretch my faith all out of proportion. And yet I believe it. Now I want to ask you a question before... I continue the message, and this is the secret right here. I read it in the book of Luke where he said, He that is faithful, and may I say I have no ulterior motive in this message at all, because I didn't dream about it till I started the church. I had no message planned, no outline, no nothing. But on the way to church, I heard that preacher talking, and I thought, well, I believe I'll preach that right. I mean, I'll just say it straight and tell you that your giving will not get you to heaven, but it might get somebody else to heaven. And we do not give in order to go to heaven. We give because we are going to heaven. And we want somebody else to go with us. But here's the secret of it. If you're faithful in that which is least, he said you'll be faithful in that which is much. Now, he said if you haven't been faithful in that which belongs to another man, you wouldn't be faithful even with your own. And so God is teaching us that little is much when God is in it. And we must take what we have, though little it be, and be and guard it and say, Lord, this is thine. My one talent, but it'll not be buried. It'll be invested. And if it's lost, it'll be lost in business. It won't rust out. And I'm going to guard this little bit. And I believe that we ought to be economic. If I had a million dollars, I'd have no desire to live any different from the way I'm living right now. I mean, I don't mean to be personal in the message except just to say, and not trying to make an impression or splash with anybody, but if I would not give the right proportion, or really, as far as I'm concerned, I mean this, if I would not give all that I have now, Neither would I give all that I had if I got a million. I do not believe that it would be any temptation at all for me if I had a million dollars given to me this afternoon to give every penny of it. And then I could be sure that I had done right. Now, in the first place, I ought to do it because Jesus gave all for me. In the second place, I don't know of anything that I need except what God's already supplied, so why would I start stacking it up? 
It might be that I wasn't trusting God to take care of me tomorrow if I laid up a bunch of junk today to take care of me tomorrow. Now you'd say, brother, well, that's not good business. No, but it's good faith. And that's all I, the Bible said, now the just shall live by faith. Now the average church member cannot take or understand or won't even try to understand this kind of preaching. I've been in the motel uh, last night, one night. And uh, uh, the church was very gracious to arrange a place. But uh, we had guests and friends and, and this little couple. And, and uh, I don't say this to brag, except this church has always been hospitable. And they fixed a tremendous wedding dinner, you know, and, and oh, so many nice and furnished me a brand new car. Somebody asked me, said, how long have you had this car? I told them a while ago. I said, since yesterday. I didn't tell them I wouldn't have it this time tomorrow because I got to leave it here. But I don't need the car. That's Brother Paul Smith's new car. And I'm glad he's got it. And I think he needs it a lot more than I do. But the Lord said to me, now you pay the bill at the motel. It's not the church's responsibility this time. And I believe it was right. Well, I paid the bill. I didn't have to pay the bill. The church is so gracious to say, well, we'll but that, I believe the Lord will direct us in everything that we do. The Lord also said, now son, uh, you know, no need to stay in this afternoon and get out. Because you'd have to pay another night and you're going to leave tonight. I mean, why should I stay? I say, well, the church can take care of it. No. Their church, is just, their money is just as sacred as mine is. And all of it's God's money. And we don't have any right. We don't have any right to live more extravagantly than the Lord would have us to live. And I believe if we'll be faithful in that which is least, God one day will give us a whole wagon load. And I believe we could even be selfish about that. And we could say, now Lord, I'm going to be real careful. And the reason I'm being real careful, I want that load. And you'll have the wrong motive. Yes, sir. Just like a woman praying for a husband. Oh, Lord, save my husband so that I'll have a decent man to live with. It's wrong motive. Wrong motive, I know. Now, that's all. That'll be good. He'll sure be more decent. I'll tell you that when Jesus gets through with it. And I, I don't understand why any Christian wife wouldn't just pray mainly and live mainly get her husband saved because uh, she'll have a brand new husband. I mean, that's the one thing every woman needs is a godly husband. And, and, if, and nobody can make them godly but the Lord. And, 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 and what, what you try to do, and so many women fret themselves to death and work themselves up into a nervous frenzy trying to do what only God can do to her husband. Turn him over to God. Many women make the mistake of trying to be a chaperone. He didn't want her to go with her, but she said, I'm going anyhow. I'm going to see to it that you stay straight. Why, listen, he can turn around the corner and be crooked before he gets back. I tell you what you do. You get in the prayer closet and turn him over to God. God will stay with him 24 hours a day. Amen? You sure can't do it. Oh, listen. We must do God's work in God's way with God's weapons. The Word of God. And he'll give us victory. Now then, let's see what he's got. He said, we've left all... I think somehow Simon Peter just uh, looked a little uh, uh, sorry for himself. You know, he said, we've left all. What are we going to get? Jesus said, I'm glad. You know, it's not recorded here, but I meant Jesus. I'm so glad you asked that. I'll just be glad to tell you, Brother Simon Peter, 
Bless your little heart. I guess that's the way I've said it. <laughs> what if, after all, what have you given up except some old slimy fish nets, some stormy winds? After all, have I taken good care of you? But he didn't know what he said. Jesus answered and said, Verily, verily. You know, Jesus had a way of putting the verilies on it. Nicodemus come walking in that night. He said, Verily, verily. Nicodemus, I'm going to kind of tighten up a little bit. said, Oh, me, here it comes. And it came, didn't it? Boy, he said, It's very, very important what I'm going to tell you now. Your religion won't do. Verily, I say unto you, There is no man that hath left house, our brethren, our sisters, our father, our mother, our wife, our children, our lands, for my sake. Now, this is the secret of it right here. For my sake in the Gospels. I know of people that have left every bit of that to go to Vietnam. And you know, many times all they get is death and a liquor bottle and a wasted life and sin for a season and come back doubting God and God's people and everything else. Let me ask you, why would God's people be, be slow or slack to at least do for God what soldier boys would do for their country. Why well, walk through that old Brooks General Hospital in San Antonio after the Korean conflict? I saw those old nubs left. I saw what used to be a foot, a hand, a wrist, fingers, it's gone. I saw those old legs raised up with a little old rope, you know. Passed it in the air. And yet, I did not see or hear too many complaints. They said, well, I'm looking forward to getting me a wooden leg. Uncle Sam's going to give me one. They tell me that they're going to give me a hand, you know, one of these hands. And they said, man, I'll get a hook on it, you know, and so forth. And, and man, they tell me I'm going to be able to drive a car and I'm going to be able to live a normal life and I'm going to... While poor little... Excuse me, please, but I'm going to say it. While poor little Tom Thumb church members sit before their little play parties on Sunday night while the preacher preaches and while the world goes to hell, they idle away their time at bowling alleys and dragging an old boat and trailer down the highway with an old camper on the back of this hiccup saying we're going to go get some recreation. And the thing that amazes me, they have a heart attack before they get back. And many of them die out on the lake. And said, well, he was just so tired, he wore himself out. Yeah, he sure did. And that same thing's happening in the ministry today, too. Preachers that just run their legs off for everything except God. And then die, and somebody said, well, he worked himself to death. Oh, listen, I believe God's got a lot more sense than my earthly daddy had. And when we hooked those more mules up to the buster and plowed that rich black soil, 
My daddy said, boys, it'll take more than hay. You put those golden oats out and put that yellow-dent corn in those troughs. And the harder we worked our mules, the more my daddy fed them. And if you want an old milk cow to give milk, you better feed her. Feed her. And I believe, preacher, if we'll feed our people and keep them fed with heaven's unwasted fullness, I believe they'll be able to pull a load. And too many churches are trying to get by with promotion and announcements and tricky sayings and a bunch of party all. And the people are starving to death. And when you holler like my daddy, get up! The old mules, they could get up if they'd been fed. And I believe we need to feed them and lead them and God will be... Now what did he say he's going to give us? He said, for my sake in the gospel, he shall receive a hundredfold after a while. Uh-uh. Now, folks, I've sure gotten a blessing out of my Bible since I just began to take it literally. Now, y'all can just be figured if you want to, but you can figure yourself out a lot of blessings. So I just accepted. He said a hundredfold, and then I had to figure out what that next word meant. N-O-W now. Now, if somebody were to come up here and say, Brother Wolof, I want to give you a $1,000 bill now, I'd know what that meant. And I'm not asking for that. I'm simply saying, I know when now is. That's right now. I mean, that's while I'm talking. Now, if you've got as much sense as I have, you can just figure on having a hundredfold right now. And as far as I'm concerned, that's a real investment. Why, to me, 7% interest is high interest. I've only paid it one time, and just as soon as I can get this paid, we won't have it no more. I don't believe in paying interest, especially the people that don't need it. And usually the people that you borrow money from that don't need the interest. But listen, this absolutely is astounding. God said, if you put your money in my bank, I'll give you 100% interest right now. Now then, I'm, you say, Brother Wolf, do you believe it? Why, well, he said it. Could you prove it? Yes. I'm uh, living off of it. That's exactly what I'm living off of right now. It's what God gives. I mean, the interest of the investment. Now listen, I didn't have much to invest to start with. I really didn't. All I had was a little old ignorant mind, a sinful soul, and a dirty body, and a rebellious heart. I mean, that's all. I mean, I, I, I was uneducated, scared, foolish, silly, sinful. And then I said to the Lord one night when I thought I was about to die, well, here it is. I didn't have any lawyer's mind. I didn't have any valedictorian record. I didn't have any A-double-plus standing, brother. I had nothing. And there wasn't anybody coming by talking to my daddy, said, Mr. Roloff, you have a great boy there. Has a tremendous mind. No school teacher ever accused me of having a great mind. I was just the commonest little dirt dauber you ever saw. I'm not bragging about it, but I'm just simply saying that was my investment to the Lord. I said, Lord, I got a little chunk or a hunk of dirt I want to give you. 
And you know what he did? He said, I'll take it. And you know what? The thing that amazes me, he seems so glad to get it. Of course, he knew what he's going to do with it. And if I'd behaved myself, he'd have done more with it. But you think of the Lord 35 years ago taking anything as common, as simple as I was, and just doing something with it. It still amazes me, and I mean that. I've always been a great dreamer. When I was a kid, I dreamed. Oh, brother, I dream every night. Of course, a lot of them was because I was eating bad. I don't go by dreams, but I mean I've had a lot of dreams. But listen, I have dreamed some fantastic dreams. I want you to know I really had stepped over into silk stocking edition. I mean, I just really got into I mean, I'd stepped from nothing to everything. But I tell you, really, I've had one dream to come true, and that is... I found complete satisfaction in Jesus Christ. And he has met my every need. And he told me, he said, I'll give you where you had one house. And listen, the most simple house I ever live in, which is just like a palace to me, is my little frame house in Corpus Christi. We could not have a big car because it wouldn't go in our little single garage. And yet, it's home sweet home, if I ever make it by there. But the biggest and the best houses I ever go in are completely rent-free, no charge. And as I've said before, most of the time they give me 20 to to $100 for staying in them with them before I leave. I mean, that's the kind of friends... Now, I've got a hundred times more homes today than I've ever had. And I've got a hundred times more cars than I've ever had, and I have it home right now. I go home tonight, there'll be a little 54 Ford waiting for me at the airport. But oh, it's a dilly. I call it a DB, a doll buggy. It's given to me. Didn't cost a dime. And it's just like a brand new car. I wouldn't want any better car to go from the airport to the office in or home. But I drive a lot bigger and better cars when I get on the road and I do it home. You say, what are you talking about? I thought you'd catch on. Jesus said, whereas you got one old car sitting there, I'll give you a hundred cars if you get on the road for me. And I've seen the people nearly get mad. They, I mean, I've seen them sitting there, one big new Cadillac and one a new Chrysler, and sitting there, brother, Lord, here it is. And the only way one of them got me to take it, he said, here, I'll give you a credit card with this one. And really, I said, no, I at least pay my gas. He said, you won't do it. This is my joy. Folks, I'm not bragging. I'm simply saying, I don't deserve it. I didn't say I did. I'm just saying God was keeping his promise. I gave him this little uh, uh, piece of dirt, and God said, I'm going to, if you leave your mother and daddy, and I did. If you leave your family, and I did. If you leave houses and lands, and I did. And if you leave sisters and brothers, and I did. And I'm not right. Only by the grace of God anybody would do it. But I want you to know one thing. God sure has kept his promise. And I'm enjoying, I'm enjoying milk and honey and grapes and fruit in Canaan's land. And I tell you, we were saying a while ago, I'm living on the mountain. 
underneath the cloudless sky. I'm feasting at the fountain, never shall run dry. And I tell you, dear friends, God didn't tell me. He didn't tell me. A lot of people, they just drink, drink, drink. God didn't tell me I had to quit drinking. When I got right with him, he just let me change fountains. And I'm drinking at the fountain. Never shall run dry. And the thing is so tragic to me is this. This fountain is so full, and so few people look like won't drink out of it. I mean, that to me is the thing that ought to wake us up at night. And ought to bring tears to our cheeks every day. It's just to see the men go by. And we watch them as they go empty and ungodly and without Christ and without hope in this world. I always think about those two little old birds that sat up in the tree. And they were just singing away until a bunch of people started walking down the sidewalk under them. Oh, they were smoking cigarettes, fire and smoke and cussing and raising cane, loud voices, and some of them fought and some of them staggered and fell. And the other little bird said, have you noticed that, that bunch of folks down there, how miserable and unhappy they are? I wonder what's wrong with them. The little old bird chirped a few times and said, it may be that they don't have a heavenly father like me and you. <laughs> It's no doubt that's what's wrong with them. That's right. A tent or a cottage, why should I care? They're building a palace for me over there. Though exiled from home, yet still I may sing. Oh, glory to God, I'm a child of the King. I'm a child of the king, a child of the king, with Jesus my Savior, I'm a child of the king. And as long as the king has plenty, I'm going to be on it, and I'm claiming his promise. And he's already fulfilled it, and how could I doubt it? Thank you for listening to the Classic Sermons podcast from PreachTheBible.org, a ministry of North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California. To listen to many more powerful sermons, visit our website, PreachTheBible.org. If you enjoy Christian music and programming, visit KNVBC.com for Christian music you can trust.